I think it was a okay divorce and then a good divorce and then evolved into what we call now our happy divorce. It's nice to have a different set of motherly eyes sometimes when I need advice. Asher gets something different from all of us. He definitely gets a little bit of something from each one of us that the other one can't give him. So for there to be four of us, I think it's almost a blessing for him. Hi, I'm Sean T. And I'm Julia Dennison. And this is We Are Family, a podcast from Parents Magazine. In this show, we celebrate all the different ways there are to build and be a family. Today, we're going to talk about something that's really common, but still all too often stigmatized, divorce. There's that old idea that you should stay together for your kids, that you're damaging them by getting a divorce or that you failed. And even when you know in your gut that it's for the best, it can still be really hard to see all these smiling couples posing with their kids in magazines and on social media. Julia, I remember you talked about that in our first episode, feeling like you would be happier if you saw more families that look like yours. Yes, and in the beginning, I worried about what my divorce was taking away from my daughter without realizing what it was giving to her. Two loving parents who are committed to sharing our responsibilities 50-50, plus a big extended village to help her learn and grow. So that's why I wanted to talk to Nikki DeBartolo and Benjamin Heldfond. They're the authors of a book called Our Happy Divorce, How Ending Our Marriage Brought Us Closer Together. A happy divorce isn't something you hear about too often. An amical divorce, maybe, but not happy. I know. So I called Ben and Nikki a few months ago to talk about what that means to them and how they got there. They split up when their son Asher was around three years old. He's now a teenager. Nikki and Ben both remarried, and Ben also has two younger kids with his wife, Nadia. I am here with Nikki DeBartolo and Benjamin Heldfond, authors of Our Happy Divorce, How Ending Our Marriage Brought Us Together. I feel like people talk about couple goals. You guys are like uncouple goals right here. (laughs) You've been divorced now for over 13 years. Is that right? Yes. You live down the block from each other, right? And you guys are all just seem to be the best of friends, or at least the best of friends that you could possibly be under the circumstances. This is something that hits home for me because I also tried to have a happy divorce with my ex. He lives about 10 minutes walk away. I have a three-year-old daughter and we share our time 50-50 and reading your book, just like everything about it hit home. I love that you are equal partners, even in writing this book. You've got your, your chapters divided between um, first-person accounts on both your sides. Talk me through what a happy divorce looks like. I just wanted to make sure Asher's life was as normal as it possibly could be with divorced parents. So my parents are still married 52 years later. So for me, I grew up only knowing that. And I wanted Asher's life to resemble mine as much as it possibly could. So that for me was my driving force from day one. I think Ben's was slightly different. Well, from day one, yes, it was different. I was on a path towards a not-so-happy divorce, just like my parents, quite frankly. But through some miracle, I came to a spot where I I realized I knew where that ended. And the only person getting hurt was Asher. And and so I wanted to find a different way. Our happy divorce looks like, uh, if there's one word that to sum it up, it's egoless. Uh, We chose to get married. We chose to be parents. We chose to get divorced. Asher had no choice in any of those decisions. And so we did not want to burden him with being responsible to pay the emotional bill of those choices. 
Um, and so he, we've always put him first. We've always made decisions right. on what's best for Asher. He didn't uh, ask for it. Right. We could not have this life we had today if we had ego involved in our decisions. But as Ben admits, it took him time to get to that place. When he and Nikki first separated, he called up an expensive divorce attorney and was ready for an ugly legal battle. I was going to go for the jugular, uh, if you will. And, you know, through that process, I was able to learn, one, that I understood that my parents didn't sit down at the table uh, and premeditate how they were going to screw up our lives or how they were going to have a bad divorce. It was just because they were so angry, so bitter, so resentful at each other that they weren't, they, they, they had tunnel vision. They didn't care who they hurt along the way. And I was on that path. I think in the beginning, I was just petrified. There weren't really that many people in my family that were divorced. So I really didn't know anything about it other than the fact that divorce ruins kids' lives. Right. So I was petrified and I was, you know, petrified to be a single mom. I was petrified to, you know, ruin my son's life. So I had it in my head that I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this where I am not ruining this child's life? And failure. I mean, you, oh, yeah. that was a oh, big yeah. one for you. Is I mean, right. I mean, having parents who are both Catholic, been married for 52 years, that was the last thing I wanted to do was be the, the daughter that was getting a divorce. Right. No, I can totally relate. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of feeling guilty, like you did something wrong as a human being. We just tend to see divorce as a negative thing. And I mean, it does suck. You can't deny that divorce does suck and it sucks for kids. But like, it doesn't have to be terrible is basically the big takeaway I took from reading your book. It's important to understand that this was a process. You know, if you had asked either one of us uh, 13 years ago what we wanted for our divorce, I think it was just so we could be in the same room together and not have that tension, you know, that... that and it would be awkward. Right. And, and Ben, you talk about, in the book, you talk about a real aha moment you had when you were on a plane. You'd been ready to kind of fight to the death, but then something changed your mind. What happened? Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, when I have a resentment, I point the finger at everybody else but myself to begin with. It's everybody else's fault. Um, you know, this was Nikki's fault. I had no role in it. And this is how, how ridiculous this sounds, but this is literally the way I was thinking. In order to show, save my son, I had to show him what a fraud his mom was. And, and so I had this just resentment towards Nikki, built up anger over you know, trying to fit a square peg in a round hole for so many years. And so anyways, I went through and I, went to, and I got this lawyer. I paid him a huge retainer and I, I, I told him what I wanted. So he wrote up literally a game plan. I called it the war and peace attack plan, how we were going to achieve that. Uh, and I didn't read it for some reason, but I was on a plane back from LA and I pulled it out and I opened it up and literally, I don't think I got past page three. And I had that, as you said, that aha moment. And I got honest with myself. And I said, if you go down this path, this is going to be repeating some of the same mistakes your parents made. Asher's going to get, end up getting hurt. You're going to be carrying this around forever. And the other part of it was that, you know what? It takes two to make a relationship and it takes two to ruin a relationship. So that aha moment. He grew up. Was just me. Yeah, I grew up. <laughs> was just was, was me being honest and getting honest and not, you know, buying my own BS. 
Right. And you talk a lot about how the kind of divorce industry is set up in a way to fight these divorces like their legal battles and maybe doesn't always have the best interest of the kids at heart. I definitely think that, well, case in point, if he would have gone down that road. We might still be fighting today. (laughs) Right. Right. Our life, as we know, it would have been completely different. I'm not one to sit back if someone's going to pick an argument with me, (laughs) to say the least. But our child's life would have been completely different. I think lawyers sometimes provoke arguments and they don't want to settle arguments because it is a big payday. But parents don't understand in this process that they're just ruining their kids' lives. As much as Asher's life is as perfect as we could possibly make it, he still has points in time where he'll look at us and go, you know, divorce is really hard. When I was on the plane and I got honest with myself, I remembered a conversation I had with a friend of mine who was a divorce lawyer years prior to it. We were sitting having coffee and he just, he was, he was like 10 minutes late and he came and he apologized, but he was in a mediation with this couple that was divorcing and they sat there for three hours and argued over an espresso machine. Hmm. Right? Now you add up both lawyers' time, the mediator's time, and they probably spent thousands of dollars arguing over a couple hundred dollar espresso machine. But it was because the espresso machine had a meaning. It was meaningful to the husband and the wife knew it. After Ben realized he didn't want to go down that road, he started the process of negotiating custody and co-parenting with Nikki. More on that after a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to We Are Family. We're talking to Nikki DeBartolo and Benjamin Heldfond, co-authors of the book Our Happy Divorce. When they separated 13 years ago, Ben was ready to bring out the big legal guns. But then he realized that that would only hurt their son, Asher. I called Nikki. We went to coffee. I apologized. I said I was sorry for my part in in the ending of the marriage. Uh, She then apologized to me. But after that, you know, we had sort of cleaned up the wreckage of the past as much as possible, right? Now we can move forward. But the one thing uh, that I had asked her, does she have any problem with joint custody, joint 50-50, everything with Asher? And her answer to me was, absolutely not. You're his father. You know, I want you to have him as much as possible because it's what's best for him. Ben and Nikki started to figure out a schedule. Okay, let's be real. Nikki figured out the schedule. This is the schedule maker. She's the <laughs> they sch- make fun of me. Yeah, they make fun of me because I'm like, her schedules have schedules. I, yes, I can relate. I love to know where everybody is, where everybody's going, what everybody's doing. So we have a joint schedule on our phones. It's Asher's calendar, and all four of us can see. All four parents plus Asher can see the schedule. By all four parents here, Nikki means her and her husband Chad and Ben and his wife, Nadia. But it's usually about five days on and five days off. And when we travel, we just sort of work around the schedule. 
and everybody knows it's on everybody's calendars. Yeah. There have been times where, you know, either because of travel or because of something that, that I've been gone more than 15, 16 days out of the month or didn't have Asher for 15, 16, 50, 50, right? But we make it up. Nikki will make it up on the next month or whatever. So if you look at the whole picture of the, the year, it is completely equitable. I think it's, it's also a sign of the evolution of our happy divorce is in the beginning, we would sit, we would meet for coffee and Nikki would bring two or three months of printed out schedules. This is With little pencils, right? We would have, we, look, we say had iPhones and calendars, but Nikki liked to do the old school way. And we would go through the calendar for three months with travel dates and, and we would do the calendar that way. You obviously family is very important to both of you. And I always think of a story for myself when my daughter had her dance recital. And for a long time, I kind of find myself sometimes being envious of the nuclear families when they when they pick their kids up from dance. And I think, oh, I kind of wish I had that. But then when she had a recital, I looked over and we were taking up an entire row with extended family in the village and, you know, uh, my ex's girlfriend and I realized that every other kid had two parents and we had like a, a row and a half. And you guys talk about that too. What are the kind of benefits to tapping into that village and the extended family that comes out of divorce that you might not experience so much if you're just in a traditional married nuclear family? I think for me as a mom, I actually welcome having another mom so close to the situation to bounce things off of. I mean, she and I are best friends, which we really are. We've become best friends. We talk on the phone all the time. We are like, I don't know, what do we call each other? I call her my wife. Wife. <laughs> I love that. But I think for me, it's nice to have a different set of motherly eyes sometimes when I need advice. And I think that helps. And I think Asher gets something different from all of us. Definitely. Yes. I mean, he definitely gets a little bit of something from each one of us that the other one can't give him. So for there to be four of us, I think it's almost a blessing for him. Yeah. For me, Nikki's dad, who I look up to so much, has given me so much in my life. Uh, he was rocky in the beginning, but he called my mom and he said, I will always take care of Ben like he's my son. And he's done that to this day. And so when we talk about the nuclear family and the extended family is Nikki's parents not only took me in and still, you know, will do whatever it takes for me, invites me to Easter dinners. And, you know, this was before I was married, included me in things. And now they include my family in it. And it means so much. And it just, you know, from not having my parents here to support me and, you know, to be able to spend holidays and, and such has been such, there's many benefits to this whole deal. Right. But, but that's, you know, that's up there with in the top of them. That's great. Do you think, um, and just from a personal point of view, so my ex has a girlfriend who he lives with and I'm currently dating. Do you find it was easier once you both had spouses to balance it out or did it not really make a difference? I just, as a mom, kind of said to him one day, hey, can you just do me a favor? Can you not introduce anybody to our son unless your heart is into it? And at first, I think he looked at me like, you have no right to That's ever, what I thought. Ever, like, no, you never said that right, to me. Right. But I, I knew that that could have been the reaction I was going to get from him. But I was just pleading with him as a mom because I thought it was important for Asher not to see a revolving door. Yeah. And that is the perfect example 
of something where I had a choice when she said that to go off of ego and say to her, who the hell are you to tell me who I can and cannot date or bring around my son? I wasn't telling you who not to right. date. Right. <laughs> but but, but so, so the, the, the other side of it is if I looked at it and took a breath and looked at it through the lens of what was best for Asher, she was absolutely right. Sometimes when you bring that new person into the fold, it can cause things to go sideways. You know, we use the analogy that Nick and I were a wheel or a uh, bicycle going along and moving around you know, along pretty, you know, pretty well. And then we turned into a tricycle because Nikki started dating Chad. And then we turned into a car and all four wheels need to work in order for that car to move. And so the bringing somebody else into the equation speaks to ego. Nikki started dating Chad, who we knew. I knew him. We were, he was around us as a married couple. And from an ego standpoint, I was crushed. I looked at this guy. I was like, he didn't even wait for the body to be cold before he moved in there. And, 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 but Chad called me one day and he asked me to coffee. Ironically, we went to the same coffee shop and sat at the same coffee shop that Nikki and I had done our men's and, and our you know, working out our uh, settlement. And he said, he apologized to me, you know, and he said, I just want to let you know, I wasn't looking for this. This sort of just happened because um, Nikki and I were talking after the divorce and, you know, it just sort of evolved. And, and then he said, he asked me for permission to marry Nikki. And, you know, despite my hardest and most <laughs> vigorous efforts to tell him why that was a bad choice, um, I, I said, absolutely. Now, if I had said no, obviously he was going to do it anyway. But to me, it was an understanding of what Nikki and I were trying to accomplish. And he was going to be a part of that. From that point on, I've had nothing but respect for him. That's awesome. I feel like a lot of what people weigh up when they're considering getting divorced is the idea of do you stay together for the kids? What I really took away from reading your book and what I feel in my heart is that kids really do learn about relationships from their parents. We all do. How important do you think it is when you're weighing that up to think about what you're modeling for your child when you show them what your relationship is as a couple? I think if Ben and I would have stayed together, he definitely would not be watching two people who were in love and who were supposed to be married. I always say we were together to have this child. Asher was supposed to be on this earth. So whatever relationship Ben and I had was to make sure this child was here. Yeah. And I think if he, if he looks at both of our relationships that we're in now, he sees something that is supposed to be. I mean, you know, everyone bickers like married couples, but he sees love. Like he actually can see, you know, four, well, two people and two people who are in love and meant to be together. I mean, Ben always says that. Ben's like, he always says that about Chad and I, he always says, Nikki found the person she was supposed to be with. Yeah, there's, there's no question as, as even before when we first got divorced, I would see Nikki and I would see Chad and I would see the way that Nikki looked at Chad. And look, I had experience with Nikki. I was married to her. She never looked at me like that. <laughs> she never, you know, if we were sitting at Asher's event, would grab my hand. It is clear those two love each other. They are in love. They are meant to be together. You know, Nikki and I 
were in love with the person we wanted the other person to be, or we hope the other person to be, or the person that the other person said they were going to be, not the right. thing, not, not the person they were. I'm a flawed human being. I know that. I have many shortcomings. My wife loves those shortcomings. She does. As much as she loves the good things about me. She does. Nikki, not so much. Not so much. Not so much. So I think that, you know, from a parent standpoint, we had to ask ourselves, would we rather have uh, be two happy people apart for Asher as parents or two miserable people together? together? Yeah. And, and because the, the other thing about kids, I think, through our experience is we don't give them enough credit. And for anybody, you know, listening, going through a divorce, your kids are smarter than we give them credit for. They pick up on so much more than we give them credit for. They're resilient, but to use that as a justification for your behavior, I don't know if you've come across this, but you know, oh, they're, they're resilient. They'll get through this. That is nonsense, especially around divorce. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think um, how important is it to be transparent with your kids going through divorce? Because I always think about the story uh, earlier in the book, before you separated, before you divorced, Ben, where you were still pretending that you lived with Nikki and were kind of staying at a hotel, but arriving, popping up magically in the morning so that you could give Asher breakfast. Tell us a little bit about that and what you should be talking to your kids about when you're, you talk to them about your relationship going through divorce. Well, we learned very quickly that wasn't working. <laughs> Because one morning, the same thing happened. Ben came over before school to get Asher ready for school, have breakfast with him. Asher toddles into my bedroom and he looks at the bed. He looks at me and he says, hey, mom, where did daddy sleep last night? I looked at him. I looked at the bed, which I thought I did a good job messing up. And I said, right here. And he said, he just looked at me, didn't say a word and was like, and toddled off. I was like, you know what? This isn't working. This is a four-year-old, by the way. But I think looking back now, maybe we would have dealt with it a little differently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. Well, I know there's a wrong way. I think but, we were trying to get our footing. Right. And figure out because there's so much anybody, and, and I'm sure you went through this too, anybody going through divorce, there's so much shame. There's so much guilt. It's just a fruit salad of negative emotions. And for us, at least for me, one of those major guilt was Asher because I was af so afraid of repeating my parents' mistakes. There's no real handbook on how to tell your kids or, you know, different ages. It's going to be hard no matter how you do it. And I think what we did, uh, instead of peeling off the Band-Aid quickly, we decided to slowly do it. Like acting like nothing was wrong when everything was wrong. You know, I, I don't know if we handled it wrong because it, it is what it is um, and it happened the way it happened. But I think we could have probably done it if we had understood that kids are more observant. At least our son was more observant than we gave him credit for. Totally. And I just love how you ended the book with a chapter from Asher. Um, and that just like made me tear up because... I feel like reading Asher's words, like, because my daughter is not even four yet. And so there's a lot of questions in my mind as to how she's going to take all this. And because my situation is so similar to you, reading Asher's chapter, it felt almost like a little peek into the future and was really reassuring. I mean, obviously, Asher still talks about the fact that, you know, moving back and forth between the two houses is challenging and there are the challenges. But to hear him speak so kind of, you know, just be such a great kid was really reassuring. So I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think that the 
I don't want to call it sacrifices because it, it is so normal for us. Nikki is my best friend. She just happens to also be the mother of my son. And those two in my life are equal. And because of that, he's grown up in a healthy environment, as healthy as it can be with his parents. We just need to always say that, obviously, if he had his choice, we'd be together, mm. despite you know what that might mean for him as far as what relationships mean and the other stuff we had talked about earlier. But he is such a well-adjusted kid. He is such a sweet kid. He understands, you know, so much more than, than, than when he wrote that chapter. I don't want to say we pat ourselves on the back, but it was just like, at least I felt like we did this right. Mm-hmm. He wrote a essay to get into school. And it's part, part of it's in the book to get into high school. And, and the question was, who do you admire most? What person do you admire most? And we didn't hold him down and, you know, with a gun to his head and say, write this about your mom and dad. He did it on his own. And he, he said about his mom and dad because what they've accomplished through their divorce and how much it's meant to me. So, again, your kids uh, are so much more uh, aware of what's going on, good and bad. So true. Yes, I love that. Okay, so then just wrapping it up, I would love to hear the big takeaways, the big advice you would give to both newly separated or people contemplating separation or divorce, and also those who might already be separated or divorced on how they can improve their co-parenting relationships. What are your kind of like big tips? Ego. Mm -hmm. Do whatever you possibly can to check your ego at the door during all conversations you have with your ex because it does nothing but muster up ill feelings. You have to clean up the wreckage of the past. And, uh, you know, Nikki and I were able to do that through amends and through taking a look at our part in the relationship. Um, Can't point fingers. You can't point fingers. There's no villain. In our book, uh, if you're looking for, you know, Hollywood, you know, uh, war stories about what happened in the marriage, keep it moving because you won't. We purposely kept that out of the book because it does not matter because we can sit here and say we both had an equal part of ending the relationship no matter what the other person did. So that is the main piece of advice that I would give people is in order to be happy in life in general, but especially around divorce, is that you cannot live your life in the past. I love that. Great. Well, thank you so much, Nikki DeBartolo, Ben Heldfond, authors of Our Happy Divorce. Definitely pick up the book. They can follow you on Instagram, right? And you've got a blog as well. Do you want to, where can people find you? It's pretty simple. Everything <laughs> at Our Happy Divorce on social media uh, and then ourhappydivorce.com. You know, if you're listening to this and, and, and you want to, to read our book, but for whatever reason you can't afford it, just DM us on, on our social medias and we'll be happy to, to send you a book. Uh, this isn't a money-making uh, thing for Nikki and I. It, it truly is uh, an altruistic uh, endeavor for us that we just want to share our experience to hopefully inspire others. Because if Nikki and I can do it, uh, we are convinced that anybody can do it with our two hard-headed, class A, alpha personalities. We are convinced that anybody can do it. I love that. Changing what divorce looks like in America for the better and ultimately helping the kids as we do it. So that's great. Thanks both. Thank Thank you you. so much for sharing your platform with us. Thank you. Julia, I have a lot of admiration for Ben and Nikki because I know divorce is not easy. 
Totally, and I like the way Ben put it. It's like a fruit salad of negative emotions, and that's so true, but it also doesn't have to stay that way. It can actually be the start of something really beautiful. And that's all for this episode. You can find Ben and Nikki online at ourhappydivorce.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on We Are Family. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Susie Armitage, and Lena Bexillison. This show was recorded in New York and Seattle, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at parents.com slash podcast, and you can follow us on Instagram handle at parents, and you can follow me on Instagram at Julia Dennison. That's D-E-N-N-I-S-O-N. And you can follow me at Sean T. That's S-H-A-U-N-T. 